Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning we are going to be continuing our, continuing our study through the book of Daniel. And we are once again going to visit this theme of having courage in the midst of chaos. This morning, we're taking on the first half of Daniel chapter 9. And for those of you that have been with us for the past couple of weeks, uh, I'm sorry to say that today we don't have any multi-headed animals. We don't have any multi-horned beasts. I don't have any, like, really difficult, exciting things for us to chat about. I'm sorry. I know that's a letdown. Um, So dogs. Let's talk about dogs for just a minute. Every once in a while, Kaylee gets uh, up the courage to ask if we can have a dog, and I continually say no. Um, Pray that I remain strong, please. Um, As I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking about a time in my life when I did have a dog. Um, And this was back when I was in high school. We had a, a yellow lab. Her name was Heyday. Heyday is kind of like a, that's, when you have a heyday, it's like this is a, a happy day. And so we, we named her Heyday. And before I go too far, I need to stop and just take responsibility right now for the poor behavior that that dog had, because we all know that dogs, dogs behave the way that they're trained, and, and thus my problem today. <laughs> so, so whatever you hear today, it was my fault. Dogs look great after they have a bath, right? Like after they're all, they're all clean and you're all fluffy, and you're just, oh, man, you look nice. And so, you know, especially when you have a dog, she was a yellow lab, so, like, super light white coat. And when I would give, I, I don't know if my mom or dad ever gave, did you ever give the dog a bath? Sure. Let's just say I, I gave the dog a lot of baths. Let's just put it that way. I gave the dog a lot of baths. And without fail, every time I, I would finish the first bath, she would immediately find the mud puddle that was caused from that bath. Or she would go off and find like the cow pie that was in the neighbor's pasture right next door. And she would just roll all over in it like immediately after. Why? And then also, without fail, she would come back, shake all over the place and get me all messy. And so then I have to give her another bath. Okay, so completely muddy, starting the bathing process over yet again. And while I was thinking about this, I was, there was this one particular incident that happened where um, Kaylee and I used to take the dog for walks when we were in high school. Um, so we would go take the dog for a walk. It was in the evening. We usually walk to the grocery store. So we would walk to the grocery store, had the yellow lab, and we're coming home. And as we're coming home, the dog just tears off after something, and it rips the leash out of my hands. And I quickly realized that the dog is chasing a skunk. And so the smart person that I am goes and tackles the dog to stop it from getting into the skunk. And Thank you, Jesus. The skunk disappears off into the brush and poison oak with all of its spray still within its body. We we made it out unscathed. But what 
we start seeing here is uh, the fact that sometimes pet owners have to get down into the, the mess, into the, the stink, into the, the icky situation, if you will, in order to do what's best for the animal. God is not at all scared to get down into the middle of our messes. Even to the point where it seems like his reputation is at stake. Even when it seems like his reputation is getting tarnished, God is willing to allow that to take place if his children are living like they don't belong to him. God doesn't mind chasing after his kids. God will sacrifice himself to bring his kids out of the messes that they find themselves in. You know, as we we look at this prayer, this instruction that we, we really see from Daniel, you know, it's one thing for the world, the people outside of the church to be covered in the filth of this world. It's a completely different thing for the children of God to be in that state. And while we're not thinking about beasts, we're not talking about multi-headed animals, we're not talking about a whole bunch of different horns, we're not talking about the apocalypse this morning, which may be refreshing. This passage is sometimes even a bit more intimidating in a lot of ways. Daniel, in this passage, is asking, what, what do we need to do when God's people turn away from what God's ideal living is? We know that our world needs a Savior. We know that, that the, the world at large needs a Savior. The process of seeking needs to begin in the church. This morning we find Daniel studying the word of God that was given to Jeremiah. And if you've been with us for a few of these studies, you'll, you'll know that, that that one scripture that I bet a lot of us know out of Jeremiah, for I know the plans that I have for you. Right? We, we know that scripture out of Jeremiah. And let's just pause for just a minute. I always like coming back to this. You know, I'm imagining Daniel reading this and he's saying, so like, you knew the plans that you had for me, plans to bless me, not to harm me, hope for the future, you know, all that. God, I'm, I'm living in exile. I was taken when I was a kid. I'm, I'm living as a slave in this land. My friends have been thrown in a fiery furnace. I've, I'm about to, he hasn't been yet as far as this timeline goes. He's about to be thrown into a lion's And Do you really know the plans that you have for me, God? Are you sure? Do you ever feel like that sometimes? God, are you sure you know the plans that you have for me? Yeah, I feel that way. <laughs> but it's true. It, it, Every promise in the word of God is true. And so what we know is that in the midst of hardship, in the midst of chaos in this world, I can have courage because he he knows the plans that he has for me. And so even in the midst of fiery furnaces, even in the midst of kings that, that aren't following after God, even in the midst of lion's dens, even in the midst of those things, bosses that you don't get along with, even in the midst of family that is, is difficult at best, God knows the plans that he has for you. 
so Daniel is looking at this prophecy that Jeremiah has, has conveyed to the people, and, and he starts to realize just how bad things have gotten, just how long things ha- have been the way that they have been. And rather than simply accepting that prophecy that Jeremiah has given, rather than say, okay, you know, I guess this is just the way it is, he begins to pray. And his prayer is what we're going to study this morning. One thing that is important to notice as we look at the prayer of Daniel is that Daniel prays on behalf of an entire nation. Daniel is, is coming before God and he's, he's praying on behalf of all of the people of Israel, bringing the entire nation of Israel to, to God, saying, God, we repent. We've done wrong. And what I would ask is, how often are our prayers focused on me and at best my immediate family and friends? God, help me out of this uncomfortable situation. Help me out of this circumstance that I find myself. God, give me this thing. When we have the power to pray for and to influence the course and direction of history, the, prayer of, the power of prayer goes beyond my direct sphere of influence. If we stop and look at the, the city that's around us, if we stop and look at the country around us, the world around us, we see a wake-up call is needed. You turn on the news, you see mass shootings happening in schools. You turn on the news and you see strife regarding the the arguments between life and choice. We have wars between nations. We have political arenas where leaders are becoming more spectacle than respectable. Entertainment industry that is constantly promoting everything that this fallen world has to offer. And I have to admit, there are times where it is so tempting to just put my head in the sand and say, this is not my home. This is not my deal. And it's true, this isn't our home. But God has called us to be salt and light as we are foreigners in this land. And as we read Daniel 9, as we read the first half of this chapter, our first reaction when we read this is to apply it to the United States of America. That, that's the common th- idea when we, we read this is to say, oh, Daniel's praying for his nation. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for the United States of America. As a New Testament church reading the Old Testament scripture, it can sometimes be tempting to take what is applied to Israel and apply it to the United States of America. That's not what's supposed to happen here. Now, let me be clear. If you want to take what Daniel prays and pray it for you, the United States, you go for it. Goodness knows we need that. <laughs> However, it's not just that. We need to bring it a little closer to home. Daniel is living in the nation of Babylon, and yet he's praying for Israel. I'm living in the nation of the United States of America, and I need to pray for the people of God. The church in the world today. That is the, the message that we as the New Testament church are to be getting out of this. 
how far have we as a church fallen? There are four specific components that we're going to look at as we go through this particular passage, but first we're going to read it. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, so again, just to get us into a correct timeline, we fast forward, right? Because previously in verses, or chapters 7 and 8, we were talking about dreams that happened during the time where there was right before the writing on the wall. We're fast-forwarding to the first year of Darius. In a few months, we're going to see Daniel get chucked into a lion's den. That hasn't happened yet. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word the Lord had given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all of the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings and our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us. Because we have sinned against you, you have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sin and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and you made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We've done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open our eyes and see the desolation of the city. 
that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. There's four points that we can get from this example of prayer. First is that we're called to pray according to Scripture. The, the word of God should serve as a, a catalyst, as something that, that guides the, the prayers that we bring before God. Daniel is praying the way he's praying because he read his Bible, the Bible that he had. <laughs> Jeremiah 25, 11, what does it say? It says, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Daniel's reading that. Jeremiah 29.10, it says, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Daniel's reading this, and he's saying, one, two, three. He's starting to do the math on his hands. He said, man, we're getting close. It's almost time to go home. But we haven't changed. There... The hearts of the people haven't changed. And, and yet God's promises to, that he's going to come and he's going to take us and he's going to bring us home. There's something that happens when we play, pray scripture, when you pray the word of God. When you pray the word of God, it allows you to pray truth instead of your feelings. Well, that doesn't seem very personal. <laughs> but it's the truth. Do our feelings change? Does our opinion change? Does the, the, do the circumstances around us influence our feelings? Of course they do. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is truth. I know of pastors who use the book of Psalms to, to drive their prayer life, that they pray through the book of Psalms, and, and that truth is what, what guides them as they begin to pray. God's word is his revelation to us. The way we pray is our response to that revelation. When, when God uses his word to speak into our lives, our prayer is our response to that revelation, that truth that is happening. And maybe you have a quiet time with God and, and maybe you don't. And if you don't, I challenge you this week, just this week, to take time and read the word of God. Pick a book any book in the, in the Bible, if I could maybe recommend to stay away from Deuteronomy and Leviticus just for this time, pick a book and read it. Don't use the word of God like a fortune cookie. Don't do the, let's just fling it open and point. And God said I needed to give a sacrifice of a plate with one shekel of silver. 
that's not what, do you use any other reference book that way? <laughs> Can you imagine if you just use like the medical journal, like a doctor just shows up and like slaps the page open, looks like we need to cut your arm off today, sorry. No, of course not. Pick a book and stick with it. Just, just for this week, that's, that's all I want, is if we can pick a book and work our way through it just for this week. And if you miss a day, just pick up where you left off. Like, if you skip lunch, are you like, well, I guess I can't have dinner either. I guess we just, we just need to stop eating. We're, we're, I, there's no hope. <laughs> no. When you skip lunch, you're like, man, I need to eat. And you go and you eat. And you just move on. So if you miss a day, catch up when you can. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. This is an opportunity to receive the revelation of God. And go with me on this. When you read, something is going to be revealed to you about your life. And when you get that revelation, pray about it. When the word of God speaks to you, that's the thing that you are called to pray about. That's the Holy Spirit reacting in you, saying, hey, you should pray about this thing. It's not by accident that your neighbor is all of a sudden brought up in your mind as you're thinking about this particular part of Scripture. Like, there's probably a reason. Does that make sense? God, show me your will. How often is that the prayer that we pray? God, God, I, I, I want to know what your will is in my life, and yet I don't want to take the time to read the instruction book that you gave me. Can you just give me the Cliff Notes version, please? Like, do you hear how that sounds? Like, God's like, I told you how to live. I told you exactly how to live. Just read it. Well, maybe I need to do a Bible study about how to live. Maybe I just need to, to think about it for a little bit. No, it's right there. Just read it. The next point, we're to pray aligned with humility. This is a, not an original thought. This is something that I, I found from another author that you will never seek the Lord by accident. You don't just like, oh, sorry, God, I didn't see you there. I don't know how I, how I got to this point. No, you will never seek the Lord by accident. What does it say? Daniel says, I turned my face to the Lord. Like, does that mean he's like, hello, God? No, he's lifting his face from his current circumstance and instead choosing to focus on God in his life. Saying, well, it would be very easy for me to dwell on the fact that I was kidnapped from my country that I grew up in, that I was born in. I've been taken away from my family. I have now been placed in a land that is not my own. Granted, he's lived in that land now for like 70 years. But there's been a lot of bad stuff that's gone on in Daniel's life. A lot of scary things. And it would be really easy to focus on those things. And instead of focusing in the, the mess of everything that he's looking at there, instead of focusing on those things, he's choosing to focus on God. Kaylee, can you come here for a minute? If you are struggling in a relationship, stand in the square. <laughs> oh, I don't have a, f oh, I'll just use my iPad. I was gonna use my cell phone. Imagine this is a cell phone. If I'm struggling in my relationship with my wife, 
is this the best posture for me to address that struggle of relationship? <laughs> is this the best posture to struggle that relationship? Or to, to deal with a struggle in that relationship? No. You put away the distraction. I turn to face. Right? And, and as there's conflict, we're addressing it together. As opposed to, I mean, she could probably tell me anything as I'm staring at my iPad. Yeah, sure, whatever. Right? Because it's, that's not our focus. I'm too focused on whatever it is that's going on on the screen. I'm too focused. That's all. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I'm too focused on everything else in my life to really recognize that there is a God who wants not only to rescue me from that situation, but there is a God who loves me and wants his best for me in every situation. And so Daniel recognizes that there is a nation in need of God's rescue that, that has been promised, and so he begins to pray and plead for that mercy. He begins to fast where he's depriving his flesh so that he can work on his spirit. He's saying, God, I, every time that my stomach grumbles, every time that I think about food, I want to turn and I want to think about the fact that I need your mercy, that we as a nation need your mercy. Now we as a church need God's mercy. Remember, in a few months, Daniel is going to be thrown into a lion's den because he prays three times a day and everyone in the nation of Babylon knows his prayer schedule. Again, I'm going to ask that question, and it was uncomfortable the first time, and it's probably going to be uncomfortable this time. Do you have a prayer schedule that is so well known that people can catch you praying? Daniel takes prayer seriously. He's humbling himself. He's exalting the Lord. Sometimes... The fact that God is sovereign, the fact that God is all-powerful raises the question, why do I need to pray in the first place? If God is all-powerful, which we know he is, what is the point of me bringing these requests to God? Spoiler alert, you're not going to change God's mind. We just, we just said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's mind doesn't change. Okay, so what is the point? The fact is, we don't change God, but when we pray, we change. When we pray, our hearts turn to God, and, and God reveals himself to us, and, and we become more like him. And God, God directs us as to the, the path that we're to take as we, we go in his plan. Another point, we're called to pray honestly about sin. Okay, it's time to be honest. Sometimes when we pray, let's take the we out of there. Sometimes when I pray, I can sugarcoat things a little bit. I can maybe gloss over the, the areas of my life that I'd rather not discuss and, and just focus on the, the areas that are going well. You guys do that sometimes? As we read through the book of Daniel and we see the life that's being lived, granted, 
we're, we're getting a, a very small snapshot of the 80 years that Daniel has lived so far. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's off worshiping idols. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's fallen away from God. He doesn't strike me as the guy that needs to be praying this prayer. And yet every single time, Daniel says, we instead of I. You guys ever have that family member? I don't want any names. (laughs) You ever have that family member that you're just like, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Carolyn, did you just look at Kevin? (laughs) Do you? So you have that family member, you're like, oh, they can't have the microphone at the wedding. They they can't make the toast. Like, we don't want them to, to be involved in this. We probably know somebody like that. Do you know the family of God has people like that? Because you, you see pastors that are, are, of course, publicized on TV making just completely incorrect decisions in their life. We see theology that is completely backwards, that is being bent to, to reinforce a specific idea that, that they have come up with, that is designed to enrich themselves or enrich their church. We see all of these different things that are, are completely outside of the word of God. And the, the idea or the, the inclination is to say, God, they're not a part of this group. Don't, <laughs> don't count them against me. But the fact of the matter is, this is a we thing. We take responsibility and we repent for the wrongs that have been done in the church, whether they're happening in this building or some other building down the road. We're called to pray honestly about sin not just the sin in my own life, but the sin that exists in the church because we're praying for the church. Don't be shocked if God allows you to sit in the hole that you dug. Why why was Daniel where he was at? Why why was he in Babylon? He was in Babylon because the people of, of Israel made bad choices. He was in Babylon because bad choices were made. Choices were that, that were basically the people of Israel saying to God, God, we want to live like Babylon. And God said, okay, you, you go ahead and do that. Let me know how it goes. And for 70 years, he lets the people of Israel sit in the hole that they dug. But does he leave them there? No. If we refuse to pay attention to Scripture, if we refuse to pay attention to the Holy Spirit in our lives, speaking, directing us as to where we should go, we shouldn't be surprised if there are consequences to those choices. The next point is that we're called to pray confidently. Why do we pray confidently? Do we pray confidently because I'm a pastor and that's what I do? No. <laughs> do I pray confidently because I'm a citizen of the United States of America and, and we get what we want? No. 
We pray confidently because the grace of Jesus says that we can. Not by anything that I have done. We see as Daniel begins to, uh, concludes his prayer, he moves from the we to the you. Our prayer has nothing to do with God, I'm so great, and it has everything to do with God. Your mercy is the only reason that I'm here today. I don't, I don't want what I deserve. God, your mercy is the fact that I don't get what I deserve. My reputation is not the point of, of this prayer. If we, we kind of take that illustration from this morning, I played in the mud. I got myself dirty, and in me getting myself dirty, I got God's reputation dirty. And God says, I'm willing for you to get my reputation dirty if that's what it takes for you to come back and really be a, a functioning child of the king. God's reputation is tarnished because of the actions and the choices of the people of Israel. And the, the prayer that Daniel makes isn't that the people of Babylon are taken out uh, of captivity so that their reputation is improved. Daniel prays that they're taken out of captivity so that God's reputation is improved. We talked about it before that, that prayers focused on our circumstances versus God's glory are an indicator that we have more to learn. <laughs> if we are focused on praying about the things that are happening in our own life and, and our own circumstances more on than the, the ways that we can use those circumstances to bring glory to God, then we have more to learn. There is more time to be spent in that hole. Daniel isn't praying for a new position. He's not praying that he himself gets to, to go into this new land. He is praying that he sees God's kingdom come to all the nations. When God's people have continually turned away, that's when we have to turn to him. That's when we're called to turn to him with urgency. There's a constant prayer for revival in the church and, and for revival in general. And sometimes what happens is churches get so focused on revival that, that they want to see revival happen in, in this city and, and they start trying to bring that about. But the fact of the matter is revival starts in the church. You can't revive something that's already dead. Revival starts where there's life and then that life moves out to the dead people in the world. We need to pray this prayer for ourselves and for the church today. There's a verse in Habakkuk, chapter three, verse two, that is completely relevant to what we're talking about this morning. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. 
I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in this day and in our time, make them known. And in your wrath, remember mercy. God, this morning we have heard of your fame. God, we stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them. In this day and in this time, make them known. Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. God, we have sinned. We have done wrong. We have been wicked and we have rebelled and we have turned away from your commands and your laws. We've not listened to your servants and to your prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our ancestors, to our politicians and to everyone who went before us and to all of the people of the land, God. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. And God, your people scattered about We have been unfaithful to you. God, our, our ancestors and, and our, our leaders and everyone else, God, we are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws that he gave us through his servants and through his prophets, all of our nation has transgressed your laws and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the word of words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sin and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, and yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of, your, of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For the, your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because you have great mercy. 
Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. God, that is our prayer this morning. God, we come this morning and, and as our nation is in complete disarray, as we look at all of the different areas of hurt and death and sin that exist in our world, God, we come to you and we pray on behalf of your church. God, forgive us. God, turn us. Cause us to be mindful of the, the position that you have placed us in, God, that we, we are not just here to stick our, our heads in the sand. We are here to be representatives of you to a lost and dying world. God, I have heard of your fame. I stand this morning in awe of the deeds. Repeat them again in this day. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 